Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hello and welcome to Off The Beat and Track Podcast. I'm your host, I'm Stu Whiffin. It's another week, therefore it's another episode. Today's episode, I sit down with musician, producer... Bastard pop mashup artist Nicholas Foster. We talk about uh, everything really that encompasses uh, that encompasses what I've just said there, um, as well as talking about other people's um, uh, records as well. And we have a real deep dive, and uh, it goes all over the place. This one, and uh, we, we've got quite similar tastes in music, so it's uh, it's a real cracker. And uh, and we discuss some. Some wonderful records. I get my soapbox out. I start ranting about early 90s music uh, and bands that I don't feel get enough <laughs> respect. Uh, but you've heard that before. You've heard me get overexcited uh, about that. And uh, so there's more of that coming. Um, Nick's a lovely guy and uh, and you're in for a treat. Uh, a few thank yous before we uh, press play on this chat. Uh, I'd like to thank Scribius Pip. Uh, everyone at the Distraction Pieces Network, the team at Blue Murder Club for producing this podcast. Go check that out if you like your true crime. And uh, and, and there's some wonderful interviews with some uh, fantastic people, a few of which have been on this podcast. So go um, go check it out. And, uh, and a big thanks to you lot for your continued support of this podcast podcast thanks to terry for uh, introducing me to uh, to to nicholas and uh, and, and and terry's been uh, a, a real joy to work with over the last few years and has been responsible for introducing to me uh, so many great guests uh, and and this is another one of those so um well i guess we should say well what i should say as well if it's your first time listening there's lots of bands that we talk about today and uh, and I should add that a lot of them have been on uh, off the beaten track already. So when you finish today's episode with Nick, why not have a look in the archive? Because there's 500 episodes and uh, and I've been really blessed to have, have had so many amazing guests. And uh, and yeah, so go and have a little rummage after this one and see what else you uh, like the look of. Or better still, subscribe. Uh, give us a little follow on the socials. Or if you're really up for supporting the podcast head over to Patreon and uh, and watch this episode over there. And uh, could we put up all the videos um, over on Patreon? Uh, we do a monthly live show that you're more than welcome to attend where we just ask a question from the podcast and me and a lovely bunch of, of, of patrons, they're such kind people, we all just sit around and we have a little chat uh, about records. And it's not a elitist thing, it's a really kind of fun, non-judgy, embarrassing at times thing. 
and uh, we do it once a month. You can head over to Patreon and listen to a few episodes of that as well uh, to see if you fancy coming along. You can you can join these live shows with uh, with your camera off. They're all done on Zoom, I should say, I should stress. Um, and you can join, um, but have your camera off and your mic off and just listening or watching, um, or you can get really involved and, and, and have a good old chat as well. Uh, and you can find out about that um, at Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash off the beat and track. And if you can support that, it's 70 pence a month and you get so much stuff and you get access to the archive of loads of unreleased stuff, radio shows and all the video episodes and yeah, and essentially what you're doing is that 70 pence goes in the pot to ensure that I can sort of continue to do uh, two free episodes every week, which is uh, which is quite a lot, two episodes of a pod each week. And uh, I'm not complaining. I, I get to have you know lovely chats with people um, like the one you're about to hear. So let's press play on that. Please enjoy Off The Beat and Track podcast with the delightful Nicholas Foster. <laughs> It's off the beat and track podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. Give me stew with him. Okay, we are recording. Nick, how are you? I'm, I'm all good. Thank good, you very good, much. good. This is this is the, maybe the third a- attempt to get this one recorded. Once you were <laughs> you, you jumped on the Zoom call from uh, from a theme park with your kids, and I was like, I'm not sure this is going to work. And then <laughs> then I had an issue, but we're here, yeah. which is the main thing. Finally, so finally, we're, we're, we're going to have a good chat about tunes. And I've I've seen uh, I've had a peek at the list that you've sent over, and you've you've sent some wonderful mm. records over. So I'm I'm really looking forward to uh, to chatting chatting them through with you. Um, yeah, so let's let's kick off the playlist. Um, yeah. Nick, tell me the song that you think has the greatest ever intro. Right, okay. I mean, this one was a particularly difficult one because you can name just hundreds of tracks that, uh, for one reason or another, uh, whether or not it's a horn blast or a guitar solo or, or something like that. Uh, but I've actually gone for um, something that's, uh, say, musically very muted. It really just is a, a, a couple of scratches on the turntable before it comes in. Um, so the track I've chosen is um, Rubber Without a Pause by Public Enemy. Um, it's it just just an absolutely fantastic um, track. But I remember, because I suppose it would herald in the sort of second wave of um, hip-hop or rap. Yeah. And uh, I remember we, um, from originally from Gloucester, um, we were in a, um, a club called the uh, Jamaican Club in in Barnes Street in Gloucester and um at the time um it was all kind of very 70s and um sort of stacks and, and various bits and pieces that sort of come back into sort of vogue um and uh suddenly the DJ just put this on and the place just stopped and just went absolutely mental um but it's more of the just the power behind Chuck D's vocal when and the delivery when it comes in, it just packs a massive punch. Yeah. Just incredible. Just incredible. Have you ever seen the performance of that on Soul Train? No, no. But it's, now you said it, I'm gonna hand that out. It's off the fucking scale. <laughs> it's so good, Nick. Um, yeah. Yeah, i you know. Uh, present company excluded. I, I was so lucky, and and the mm. most in awe I've ever been when I opened my Zoom chat at the beginning of lockdown, and Chuck D 
had joined me to, oh. to discuss this and because mm. I think for, 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 for people of our you know, certainly of our generation, like mm. Chuck D and Public Enemy were was so important. Oh, massively, massively so massively. Um, I think, you know, um yeah, I mean up to then obviously it had the Grandmaster Flash and the Pure Five and, and various other, you know, LL Cool J, etc. But I think um Public Enemy the first was a real voice. Yeah. Kind of almost had a, a kind of almost a, a punk feel, yeah. Um, and um, and with a production that was just incredible as well. Um, the bomb squad, yeah, and it just the way it was so gritty and so lo fi. Um, and I remember um, seeing a documentary about Chuck D, and he said that the whole thing about it was that they were trying to form a band, yeah, as opposed to just being a sort of rap duo or anything like that. It was, it was Public Enemy were meant to be a band. And, and that's how it felt. Um, just, yeah, absolutely incredible. And, and they looked, mm. you, you know, I, I think with the, um, uh, not, not just with Flav, but with Griff, you know, mm. it, it, yeah. it looked, they looked like a gang and they looked like a yes. force not to be fucked with. Like, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, and uh, I remember... You know, I'm 50, and and I think when did that come out? Maybe 88, 87, 88, and oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And 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 I remember like you know being at school, and you know I, I think when I started secondary school, we were still getting the kind of overlap of of, of, of Flash and, and and maybe some of the early like you say a little stuff, but all of a sudden when it was public enemy, it was it was different, and it was like yeah. and public enemy were coming. You know, there, there was a the big show with. Uh, Eric mm-hmm. Beer and McKeem and yeah, uh, and it was like you know a few of my mates managed to get up to London to see Public Enemy and it was like you know yeah. it, was, it felt scary it felt yes. punk it felt yeah, exactly and, and 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 to this day I, I think there's he's, he's still one of the most sort of smartest speakers in music you know whenever Chuck yeah. D talks he, he you know yeah. gets my attention instantly I, I think yeah, he's I'm a real, not, real pioneer. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I was lucky, I think I saw him at Reading. Um, and as with a lot of rap bands, you know, there were sound issues. Unfortunately, yeah. it sounded quiet and didn't quite have the impact. Um, but I saw him lately, actually, um, a little while back with Prophets Rage, um, Download. Um, and that was incendiary. That was incredible. Yeah. I mean, that's two powerhouses right there, isn't yeah. it? Like, to, yeah. to, to bolt them together. Uh, and coming through a download sound system, that's that's going to be yeah. tailor-made oh, for, for that level. It's massive, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I saw them, I saw them at um, Coco maybe yes. eight, nine wow. years ago. And, yeah. Uh, and it was it was told that, that Flav couldn't get in the country. And, right, and okay. so it was like, you know, don't get me wrong, Flav's a bit of a wally, any, but it was like, but I don't know, it's, it's, again, it adds that whole. It's the whole, it, it, um, you know, it is. And and, and as, as as Chuck says, you know, if I want to get my message across, when I've got the clan there alongside me, the jester that's entertaining, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, it, yeah, it, yeah. It, you know, it, it sweetens the message and gets it across, and and it is, oh, and it, yeah. it works perfectly. And and I was like, oh, I want to see Flav, you know, I want to see the <laughs> clock. Uh, about, about three songs in, like, yeah. he just bounced yeah. from the back of the stage, and I was That's like, awesome. "Yes!" And it <laughs> I think he come on to um, to shut him down, and it was like, "Oh, it was just phenomenal!" What it's a band. Incredible. What? A yeah, band. absolutely incredible, absolutely incredible. So yeah, so I, I could have picked uh, 
a hell of a lot of different um, intros for various different reasons. Um, but I think, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm happy with that. I'm going to stick with that. That's okay. Uh, okay. I, I think it's a good choice. What what what, what were your nearlies? What, what you can have some honourable mentions. Well, what you can't okay. in, Nick. So um, I think I'll send the stuff back to you. But we I came up with Titanic Vandalism, which is um, an album track by the Go Team, um, but it's just sort of a massive um, cut up of horns. Yeah, and and just just flows. Absolutely brilliant, uh, really electric. Um, have it something like Bring It Down by the Redskins. Again, another just choice horn tracks. Um, oh, God, I mean, everything. Um, Stargazer by Rainbow. Got a kind of great drum intro going on there. Um, as you can tell, I've got quite eclectic taste. That's <laughs> good. All over the place. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's just, just, you know, Hundreds and hundreds um, of tracks of complete. You've chose a cracker, though, mate. Thank you. First song you remember hearing, Nick, that had an emotional impact on you, please. Right, okay. So the first um, track was, a, again, emotional impact, um, I suppose, is quite a... Um, I wouldn't say this was emotional impact. It's more about something that sort of stuck with me for... Um, but at that age, um, so what is, you know, I grew up in a very um, large family. I was one of six kids and um, all my brothers and sisters had their own various things, their, their musical tastes. So you get, you know, prog coming from one room, punk from another, um, various, you know, different things, uh, different sounds, mainly, mainly on sort of rock um, basis. Um, so, so I suppose when you're younger, you're trying to find your own thing, especially when you're amongst all that sort of stuff. And I remember, that, you know, I was, I was I was pretty young, and um, I think a new wave of British heavy metal was kind of on its way up. Um, but I just remember hearing Motorhead, uh, Motorhead, Motorhead, the first from the first album, um, and and again it had that kind of raw power, but wasn't punk. Um, so it's it's more about that kind of emotionally for me kind of went right yeah that's that's me that's how i feel at that age so uh, as an emotional impact I, I guess that's why i've chosen that song because it felt as a spotty you know, 10 11 year old yeah <laughs> um it kind of um spoke to me and, and that, that kind of then um helped sort of well totally helped was my interest in music um, and started to, uh, well, cement it, I would say, because I've always been interested in music, because I've said I've literally been hearing music since I was, you know, three or four, um, being one of the youngest of a, of a large family. Um, but that kind of cemented my real passion for it. Yeah. So that was when it kind of went right, okay. And, it, you know, when you're young, you want to be in some sort of group, you want to be in a tribe, yeah. you want to fit in somewhere. And uh, for that time, that kind of really spoke to me. It's a powerful record, Motorhead. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I suppose at the time, I mean, again, it was raw. Very raw. Um, doesn't sound probably as fast as it did then. Yeah. Um, because, obviously, Motorhead themselves have made a lot faster records since. Um, but I just remember the time, yeah, it was just different. It was raw, but it wasn't. it wasn't kind of... I suppose it had punk element, but it was kind of more, I don't know, 
um, more kind of gritty. Yeah, yeah. Stuff. Um, you, you, yeah. you mentioned that you know that you, you was one of the youngest uh, in the family, and mm. you know uh, siblings were, were exposing you to things like prog uh, and uh, and punk and such. Um, like, how, how musical was home? Was was the instruments about like you know? Oh yeah, yeah. So um, I suppose of the six of us, four of us have been in bands. Um, and so we got a drummer, we got a, a good bass guitarist, guitarist vocalist. Um, we had a friend uh, one time that was trying to convince us to sort of make a a brothers band. Yeah, um, which we kind of uh, completely um, disregarded at the time. But um, strange enough, this this the guy who tried to um, persuade us went on to uh, sign Radiohead. And uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> even when he totally disregarded his, his device, uh, advice, we probably should have listened to him. Oh, Who wouldn't? Dear, dear. He could, he could have signed the UK Osmonds. Like... Exactly, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think it would have worked. Yeah. Uh, okay, I'm going to ask you uh, to tell me about the song that reminds you of your time at school, please. Okay, um, I'm just going to have to... Um, yeah, so Iron Maiden, again, coming back um, to the tribal um, and finding yourself a tribe. So I went to an all-boys grammar school, as you do. And where was school? Um, <laughs> sorry? Where was school? Uh, school was the Crypt in Gloucester. Right. And um, lovely school, but very, again, you had just um, scar kids, um, your soul boys. Um, your punks, um, your skins, and and your metalers. Um, being a grammar school, it was kind of quite heavy. There's quite a lot of rock, um, oh, man, rock kids, I suppose, there, yeah. Um, in this, but um, yeah, so it kind of again very tribal, but also as I started school, I made them release, um, running free, and it was just a very much that was kind of on my turntable. All the time, um, I suppose. At this time, as you, you could probably remember, buying a, a record was an expensive thing to do, so it wasn't like you could just ask Alexa to, um, you know, play whatever you wanted. You'd have to spend your hard-earned cash, yeah, um, on some vinyl. So you generally wear out either cassettes or vinyls or whatever of what you had. So, do you remember? Yeah, definitely for the early period. Um, of school um it was all things like sort of made in motorheads why do you think yeah are we are we talking early 80s here uh, we are talking early 80s yeah and and, and so at a time where you know you just mentioned you know the i, I guess the second wave of sort of skinheads and uh mm -hmm. and, and the sort of tail end of, of, of punk i suppose moving into more your sort of like mohawk punk and yeah uh, yeah and uh, and then the yeah, sort of, yeah 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 and uh, and then sort of you know you mentioned sort of scar and, and what was happening with two tone and yeah uh, and and then obviously you've got lots of electronic stuff happening at that time coming through yes, yeah yeah absolutely like, yeah for somebody that um has such a, a sort of wide taste in music and 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 and, and the things that, that that I'm familiar with what you've done I'm surprised that your background was leaning more towards 
metal at that point? Like, why yeah. why was it that metal was the, the sort of thing? Was it just purely the, the most loudest and most angriest? <laughs> so I, 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 to be honest, I don't really know. Um, to say that, you know, my second round brother was really into his sort of hard rock and, and stuff. And, um, you know, so there was, a, there was a lot of that sort of um, mid-60s psychedelia, a lot of the doors and bits and pieces being played in the household. Um, and um, there was kind of quite a strong biker scene, I suppose, in Gloucester. Right. And I think you just, at that stage, when you're younger, you kind of just try and identify yourself with something. Sure. I mean, in the 80s, it was very tribal. Yeah. So you had to be something. You couldn't be just nobody. I mean... You had to fit in one group or another. Absolutely. Just talking about them sort of different tribes that we've just listed, like, you tell me, uh, you know, another another generation where you could list off that many groups like you know and 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 i think that is testament to you know when when you watch these kind of retrospective top of the pops now you know from from the late 70s and early 80s they're so interesting and so exciting because it's it's, there is no two things that sound the same on there and it was such an explosion of 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 genres of music and youth culture and fashion absolutely really exciting time you know when would you get Maiden next to the specials, next to I don't know, links next to the exploited. <laughs> it's crazy, like you know, it's just, just no, but, but brilliant. And to be honest, that's that was kind of, and it's actually quite, I suppose, a sort of sad testament to what's happened now with sort of algorithmic, yeah, um, playlisting and bits and pieces where, um, you know, BBC. And Radio One at the time always played that kind of almost. Um, there was no sort of set, Johnny. It, it would play a lot of pop. There'd be a lot of pop on there, and there'd be a lot of sort of more because that's what sold. But then you get Maiden coming in, or you get uh, Motorhead coming in, or you get I don't know, <laughs> I suppose GBH reading the, the bottom end of the charts or yeah. something like that, um, and various other um, bits and pieces. And again, more so when we kind of hit the sort of mid eighties. With the kind of alternative independent yeah um sort of charge then you really started getting you know bands like the high school works and stuff like that coming through and then obviously the smiths and, and various bits and pieces like that um and, and and again because you you had to you couldn't pause you couldn't um fast forward unless you had it on cassette of course things and you couldn't so you had to i mean i remember sitting at home just listening to radio one for the one or two good songs that I liked, and you have with, to sit with your fingers on the plan record button, ready yeah, to go. exactly, yeah, yeah, <laughs> just just to pick those, um, yeah, just the one or two songs that you know. And the thing is, you'd only hear them then, yeah, and you might not hear them again until you know the next show in three hours' time, yeah. That wasn't a case of like, all right, you know, and and, and again, buying, um. Records was an expensive hobby. Absolutely. So you had to make sure that you like these songs before you top all the shop with your pocket money and your hand to buy it. So, um, but, but again, it opens up. It opens up to all these sort of different genres and all these different types. So, absolutely. Yeah, I was very tribal, didn't like in rock. But if something else came through, I thought, oh my God, that's actually really good. Yeah. And kind of led on to then growing away from the metal scene into other sounds. But but even the you know 
you'd say like radio want to be playing lots of you know pop as well but when you look at back now at what was pop then you mm. know if you look at omd you look at soft yeah. cell you look at Duran yeah, yeah. you know this is high level pop music you know this oh, is, you know this this, yeah. this is not some manufactured you know no. that, that's come over from like you know a couple of brains in sweden this is like you yeah. know bands experimenting with new technology exactly and new sounds yeah and they all kind of influenced by the likes of bowie yeah um you know crap work yeah all the sort of great innovators yeah and and, then you can kind of see the lineage away so yeah it's pop yeah but it's pop yeah um you know (laughs) it's It's a good name for an album um, (laughs) but yeah i mean you say very sophisticated but very well written very you know and then again a lot of it totally when you look back on it um it became popular but didn't really fit yeah yeah so um as you said yeah it's not like you know said a couple of uh, producers yeah in the netherlands do four on the floor house yeah stuff easy house stuff it, it was um yeah it was i mean it was a great time to be alive absolutely yeah. you know the you, best time did, did music present itself as an option you know as for something that could be work for you when you was at school i know in fact i was terrible um our music classes were very much i mean i think Play the violin for a little while. Yeah. Soon gave up when uh, I think my brother threatened to kill me if I'm <laughs> playing it. Um, but no, I mean we we were kind of our, our music teacher was very classical. Um, his prized possession was the, this massive great big organ we had in the school hall, and that's kind of where we clut around and he'd sit there playing around yeah. the organ. So um, it, yeah, it was never music at that time wasn't kind of something I thought of. I just said just something I loved. Yeah. I, I think, you know, probably at the time I wanted to be a vet or something. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I, I, I was really into my art as well. I, I can draw. Well, I could draw. Um, so that was kind of more of a, a step towards what I was planning to do. It was much later um, in my mid-teens that I kind of really started picking up a guitar and stuff. Yeah. Did it feel that at that point in you know in in the school system in the UK like the, the sort of creative you know the, the the creative options where if you're looking for plump lips that last you need to know about Juvederm lip fillers with Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC your lip look whether it's subtle or bold can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. 
That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Grit BR or, or music were never actively encouraged. Not in that way. Not in, yeah. you know... Um, not in a way that I suppose they wouldn't be now. Yeah. I've got friends or music teachers, and I, I think it's a lot more kind of hands-on with new technology and, yeah. and talking and creating and performing, um, where then it was a case of just being an orchestra. Yeah. When they're then, you know, what, what, you know why bother? Yeah. Um, and, and again, the same with art. Uh, you know, it's more seen as a pleasurable thing. Yeah. Um, but I suppose you look at it back at days where, you know, four or five percent of people went to university. Yeah. The rest yeah, of us went really on to, Yeah. So the rest of us went on to, you know, your apprenticeships or mm. something on that side. So yeah, and again coming from somewhere like Gloucester, where the aspiration isn't there anyway. Yeah. It's not like you know people from Gloucester never became famous. Yeah. Um I'd, I'd love to be going to to, to, to study music now because literally every music college now most lecturers or teachers are people from our favorite bands from the 90s because... yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is true this is quite true <laughs> i went to uh i went to in brighton to interview martin yeah. rossiter from gene and well, uh, yeah. and he was oh no in, in that room there it's one of the guys from sleeper uh he, he lectures <laughs> in there and, and justin from elastica he's up there <laughs> And uh, I know that James from EMF is a, 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 a teacher. And he just yeah, said, he's in, um, up in Yorkshire. Yeah, and I was just thinking, oh, my God. And I, was, like, I, I know James a little bit, and I was like, do, oh, okay. like, do, do, do you not like to, 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 a parents' evening? And like the mums and dads not just going, holy <laughs> shit, it's James from EMF. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wonderful, wonderful. It's actually, strangely enough, I, I remember phoning James one time, and he's... Um, he just the teachers. Um, he was obviously in school, and um, the kids were about to come in, and he had to sort of tell them to go and wait and sign in a very authoritative manner. And I was like, "Really?" I <laughs> 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 oh, love again. it. Love it. Yeah. <clears throat> okay, let's talk record shops, and I'd like you to tell me the yes. first song that you remember buying from a record store, please, Nick. <laughs> this is probably well it was uh, Merry Christmas Everyone by Slade everybody by Slade um, which would have been probably the Christmas number one at the time I guess yeah. it's um, back in the 70s so I would have been very young and I think I had 50p to spend because um, my birthday is on the 27th of December so it would have been just after um, I would have got some birthday money yeah and so yeah so I'm listening ridiculously ridiculously young but I do remember going in with mum to purchase it and so obviously yeah you know you can see the love of music start from there even if it was you know one for Nolly Holder 
I mean, what, what's not to love? Uh, certainly as a kid, you know. You, uh, I, my, yeah. I've, I've said it before on this podcast, but my favourite quote ever is about uh, Slade. He's, uh, he, he's from Noel Gallagher, and he said, uh, they wrote proper fucking tunes, but they, <laughs> but they look like fucking Diddy men. And it's like, <laughs> bang on. It's <laughs> true, but actually bang on. <laughs> it's like, what the hell is this? But um, Noddy's voice, amazing. Yeah, oh, just incredible. Incredible. And you know they were they were proper. Well, I suppose they marketed originally as a skin band. They were, skin. they were. I swayed it, weren't they? Like, yeah, 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 absolutely, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, a proper stomper. Yeah, you know. Again, it's one of those sort of classic things that kind of goes in and out of vogue, depending. Um, but yeah, yeah, you know, come Christmas. Yeah. Everybody loves a bit of Slade. So tell me a little bit about how you kind of sort of found yourself moving more towards, you know, working within the music industry. Um, right, okay. So I, mean, I think I started my first band when I was about 15. Um, by that time, the kind of independent sort of sector had kind of all this, well, what we could now call indie bands. What, what, when, when was this? What year, roughly? So it's about 84-ish. 84, right. Um, yeah, more around 85. So we've been listening. You kind of, you know, metal had become a bit stale. Um, obviously, things have been entering into the charts that so were kind of pricking my ears. I, I remember Tears for Fears, um, Mad World, when that first came out and The Hurt and the first hit of the album came out. Massively underrated, was, that record. Oh, it's just brilliant. The first time was absolutely fantastic. Um, but I think that was the album that convinced me that and um, Heaven Up Here by Akuna Bunny Man to have my hair cut. And I remember going into the hairdresser going with a picture of Ian McCulloch going, can I have that please? Yeah. And um, the girl at the time going, oh, I'll tell you what's trendy at the moment. Said, having it a bit spike in the front and long at the back. And so I ended up having a mullet. So close to having a good haircut, and at the last minute you fell. Again, I didn't know what to say. It still seemed to be certain, and what she was giving me was something really trendy. Oh, yeah, so, yeah, that was yeah. <laughs> didn't last long. McCulloch, McCulloch's my favourite. Like I said, that one of my favourite things that like, I said about Swabe was Noel Gallagher. But when it comes to quotes, and obviously the, the Gallagher brothers are very famous for being gobshite, but McCulloch yeah. takes it to a different level. Oh yeah, uh, my favourite from him. He was being interviewed. He went, "I remember the day when Bono met me, and uh, and and I just thought fantastic." <laughs> like not the day that I met Bono, the day that Bono met me. <laughs> well, met like, love it. <laughs> But the thing is, again, because my wife's a big uh, U2 fan, and um, I can't stand them. Yeah. Because I was always a Bunnyman fan, and because of the rivalry, or kind of pretend, uh, pretend rivalry at the time, I guess, um, I've always found it's like, oh, I can't listen to it. I can't. Yeah. You know, but but the Bunnyman, it just is super yeah. in comparison. But, but yeah. That's the problem. So we we have lots of arguments. She comes in, puts you two on. I've got to walk out of the room. Yeah, that's that's a few things that childish you still live with. Yeah, even though your haircut you had at that time was more similar to probably what Bono had than what Mark had. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, almost definitely. So it was bands like that that encouraged you to pick up a guitar. Um, yeah, um, no, actually, no. In saying that, it's probably I'm thinking about it um, again. It's probably. Coming on to my last question and um, answer, 
question were, were bands that preempted that. Um, so it's more around um, the sort of pillows and prayers, cherry red time, um, when you had all these little obscure bands coming through. So it's about 81, 82-ish um, that I, I kind of became more aware of this sort of stuff. Um, and bands like the Monochrome Set, and um, but also other bands, um, 23 Skidoo, um, various other things that were kind of coming through. It's kind of like um, you had Teardrop Explosion, you, you had the Bunny Men and stuff that were coming out, and kind of a new psychedelia, but that sort of spread out into all these other weird, a certain ratio um, sort of bands and stuff that were coming through. Really, you know, below the radar. I mean, real be pill favorite type stuff. And the fall, um, or one of the earlier. Um, I mean, I, I think we had um, Lives of the Rituals. Um, and yeah, I think it's my older brother, um, my slightly older brother, said I've got lots of them, um, Richard, that kind of started then, started playing and introducing us into all this kind of new music. It kind of didn't fit into the kind of rock or psychedelia type thing. And and um, it was those bands that started influencing us, I think, to, to start playing. And then when R.E.M. Smiths, etc., came through um, and the Bunny Men became more, I don't know, uh, popular um, and the Cure and, and various things, that's kind of then led us through. But then... In Santa, my first bands, I think our main influence was probably the Stooges. Yeah. You know, um, again, also um, had been listening to things like the Stooges, had to be listening to things like um, uh, Frank Zappa, you know, Freak Out, Captain Beefheart, all these sort of things. A lot of um, 60s garage punk had come through as well at the time. Um, so just things like that. There was one second, Stu. Sorry, people coming into the house. <laughs> these sort of things. You've got a free afternoon. Um, but yeah, so um, a lot of that had really influenced um, well, me sort of picking up the guitar. I mean, that was an important time because, you know, if you look in the UK, what, what was at the top of the charts, you know, in, in, in sort of 86, 87, you know, hmm. you're moving into the sort of territory of like, you know, wet, wet, wet and... And, and and I guess bands like Tears for Fears have become more sort of stadium yeah. bands at that point, and you know they've moved into like yeah. arena rock. Really, I'm not. Exactly, I'm, don't yeah. get me wrong. I, I I love that band, and uh, I'm not saying that as a bad thing. But it did feel like the underground heroes, like the Bunny Men, REM, and the Smiths, were starting to, you know, become a, a, a massive force to be reckoned with. You know, I think. Am I right in saying that one? It, it, do you know what I I, I was. Who was I talking to? I think it was. I might have had Mike. Uh, I was chatting to Mike Joyce. I think about this, and he was saying that yeah. um, that the, the Smiths were selling out bigger mm -hmm. arenas in America than Tears for Fears in eighty six, eighty seven. But in the UK, they just weren't like as, as big as like as you know. People thought Tears for Fears were these like huge global band, which obviously they went on to become. But he said, yeah. we, we was playing the same size stuff as them, and, and we were just seen as these, these sort of underground heroes, really. And yeah. Yeah. it was phenomenal. And, and one of the things that always blows my mind, and watching a recent documentary, um, is the fact that 
uh, you know, I think they were all like 20, 21, the Smiths, and yeah. doing these world tours. And at, the, at that point, like Johnny Mark, unquestionably the most prolific songwriter on the planet, I think, you know, for, for, for a good few years, yeah. was also managing the band. Like, yeah. Insane. I mean, I don't know if you remember <laughs> what you was like at 21. I could barely manage to get mess. myself down the pub, <laughs> let alone a manager, yeah. manage the Smiths like, and write all their songs. Like, yeah. prolific. Uh, it, it, yeah, it's amazing. Um, and then, but then I suppose that at that time was, it was, again, it was an amazing time. It was a very furtive time um, for music and people with ideas and then people putting their own ideas into action. And the rise of the independence, mm. um, you know, and uh, again, that's something that's all stuck with me over time. Um, I'm, I'm kind of a bit of a label geek, yeah. So, um, you know, it, it, you, I remember at the time actually going into the local record shop and looking at um, the cover of bands and the label, and you check and you say, All right, you say Catch 22 or something like that, or um you know um creation or, or um, obviously rough trade um that you kind of take could take a punt on it yeah and again going back to the fact that you know time vinyl was quite expensive so um you know you kind of had to if you hadn't heard of something um you kind of have to go by the label um and what, how well what a wonderful <laughs> thing though like, how oh, wonderful God. is that, that there's a comfort in knowing that oh, if it's on that label I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm in a safe space there. Yeah, uh, absolutely. You know, yeah. It, 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 you, you know, I don't know. I wonder how many people, you know, through, you know, young people discovering Oasis, then went on to go, all oh, right, I, I'd never have found Ride or Swerve Driver yeah. or, or yeah. Fan Club or any of them bands had right. it not been for that kind of gateway. It's true, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. the same for Rough Trade and, you know, the Smiths. It's like... yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. No, no. It was. It was. It was. Yeah. I definitely don't envy the youth of today. Yeah. With the say this the algorithmic programming where oh, for everything's for fans of. Yeah. So they hear it's like an echo chamber. Yeah. You don't need to hear anything different, and uh, I think you know one of the reasons I've, I've gone from liking you know metal into literally everything and anything is because you know I was given the opportunity to hear it yeah as opposed to just going in and going right okay i like this band play something like that yeah so um yeah i i certainly think the 80s were definitely a wonderful time yeah and definitely a wonderful time for bringing new and exciting music in um probably wouldn't argue it was the best musical era i know a lot of people think it is but i'd probably say on, on a whole probably 70s would probably the best musical era if you look on the fact of everything it spawned and the fact that it had that experimentation in the 60s and polished it um but that's probably that's a much bigger argument that's a pub <laughs> argument I'm, I'm, I'm one of the i'm one of the latter ones i'm, I'm like for me 80s like i, I uh, you know all, all of the stuff that we mentioned at the beginning of the 80s and that's before we get to the stuff that we've just spoke about with the yeah. smiths and rem and the, the yeah. rise of the indies right the way mm -hmm. through to the big evolution of of, of hip-hop and yeah. house yeah. music acid ass yeah. and uh yeah, yeah there's and, and manchester you know all the stuff that happened at the, the end of the 80s yeah. uh <laughs> it's so true. <laughs> 
Okay, yeah, I'll with the argument. It's, <laughs> we, it's one over a few beers. We stick a pin in it till we have a pint, Absolutely. mate. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, look, we, 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 I've just mentioned sort of acid house and 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 yeah. the evolution of, I guess, what become rave. So, so that's a nice little segue into to clubbing. And and I, I say that, but this question can lend itself to anything. Whatever was going on in in the dive bars, pubs, clubs that you you know you found yourself in in your sort of formative years. So, with all yeah. of that in mind, tell me the song that soundtracked your years clubbing, please, mate. Okay, so um, it takes two. Oh, what your bass and DJ Easy Rock. Um, right, this is a weird one because it could have been "Bang Goes to the Batmobile" by Todd Terry. Could have also been. They were kind of dual um, tracks for me. Uh, maybe, we just moved to London and uh, been hitting the acid clubs, the new sort of acid filled clubs. Um, and I remember going down to the Mud Club. Um, and who was DJing? Mark Moore. I, I got no idea. Yeah, really wouldn't know. Um, I think, um, strange enough, I used to go down there with um, Mr. Atkins, James Atkins. Oh, wonderful. Went to London or took him down to the mud club. Um, and it was our kind of first introduction to not Acid House as such. I remember my brother having the Acid House album and the Chicago House album before, but his first time I've actually that kind of club in. Um, thing because we were much up to that point we were really sort of gig goers um, and didn't really go to nightclubs because that was kind of where you know the traces and the yeah. chavs what we call chavs now were um, used to frequent so we were kind of more we'd go to gigs um, but obviously moving to London and it was the, the kind of new thing um, so yeah I remember dressing up in, in sort of paisley and Time bandanas around our heads and uh, off we track. And I uh, just remember that song being a standout track. Yeah. Probably because a lot of the other tracks were, again, bloopy and bloopy. Yeah. Um, where they, they were thrown in. So it wasn't an, an acid house track as such, but it would be thrown in. Yeah. To the mix and would work really well. Um, well, I suppose, say, Bangus of Batmobile was more yeah. of a house track. Uh, but just loving it, just loving that whole. I think it's probably 88, 89, yeah. maybe. Um, and uh, and it being very underground. Yeah. And it feeling very underground. And again, with that kind of indie punk spirit where, you know, I'm in the press going, oh, you know, everybody's dropping these, this terrible thing, acid house. And, and um, but I just remember it being a really good time. And obviously from that came the sort of rave culture. Mm kind of second summer of love and all that sort of thing and again it was just a it was a wonderful time to be around Um, again a very um very non-violent time yeah remember um it feeling safe to go to clubs i suppose and the clubs weren't your typical pickup joints anymore yeah it just seemed to be a kind of just everybody would go down and just dance and so um, strange and the press mm. deemed it the most ridiculously horrible, you know, thing that <laughs> scourge. Yeah. And and anybody you speak to that actually went has a very different, uh, yeah, very different was, take on it. But again, it, it was the start. It was the start of that. Say that that come in the Manchester in the second um, summer of love, where uh, you know it was just a really good, peaceful vibe. Yeah. Um, and I said, everybody's got to come dance. They would just we just dance solidly. 
Um, but it was, yeah, just a fantastic time. Absolutely fantastic time. What drew you to um, relocate to London? Um, to make it in the industry. Yeah. <laughs> so- hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Um, so I think with my bands, I, I was in a kind of one of the sort of, I, don't know, I suppose, bigger bands in Gloucester. Which is not saying much, <laughs> to be honest. About the fifth biggest band in Gloucester or something like that. Um, but we still split. And so it was just like, right, okay. Uh, some friends of mine gone to uni in and around London. And um, we kind of just, a few of us then decided to go up. So we kind of went up, drinks and drabs of us. But by sort of 89, there was kind of a, a bit of a, a community of ex-Glosterites living in London. Um, and again, this would include James Atkin, came up for a while. He then went back and then formed EMF. Um, but you had Keith Rosencroft, who was the guy we told you before, who mentioned in the Brothers Bands, he was a family friend, who then went on to sign Radiohead and, and became um, president of Parlophone um, and other labels. Um, and then we would meet other people as well, because I, I got a job in Tower Records. Um, so at the same time, I worked with Lawrence Bell, who obviously now owns Domino Records. Um, and it was just an assortment of lots of different individuals, uh, again, came up for the same reason. Everybody was just trying to break it into the music industry. Um, so that's kind of, yeah. And where, where, where was you musically at that point? What, what, what was you sort of aspiring to, 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 to be in a band or was you embracing kind of the production and, and, and the kind of DJ culture? Where, where, you know, because it was all no, happening was, at that point. I was in a band. So we formed a band um, called Mill House that, um, and we just played, we played, you know, the Bullet Gate a lot and various other of the, um, I suppose what they call toilet venues. Yeah. Quite a bit. Um, I've played them all to death as well, mate. Yeah, exactly yeah. what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> it was a great, again, a great time. Uh, I think at the time, I think actually by the time that the band actually started actually playing and, and coming on, we kind of moved away. It moved away from, I don't know, the baggy period, I guess. Because I remember we were playing, um, we didn't play with, but playing within the same circles as, um census things um make city for um uh perfect days um various other of those sort of the new um i think, I think we called it fraggle rock or something like that at the time we, we called it grebo uh, like, well, uh, yeah grebo bands but, uh, um, but take i mean obviously you know, sad to see the passing of Mark Heads uh, yes, l- last yeah. year. But yeah. I mean, f- for anybody that never got to see the senseless things live, you miss oh, watching no. Morgan Nichols, that bass player, 
be oh, the yeah. most incredible thing you will ever see on stage. Yeah, it was absolutely. insane. Like... Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> they were brilliant. Absolutely, they, 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 yeah, it's a real, obviously, um, it's very sad about Mark. But, um, but at the time, yeah, and you go and see a place like the Bull and Gate. Yeah. So the absolute rams just yeah. rams. And they were kids. They were kids. Yeah. Literally were kids. Yeah. Um, but it, yeah, and it was a great time. So, you know, well, the band I was in was very similar, it was similar vein. Uh, and of course, that was sort of preempted grunge. Yeah. It was the kind of UK grunge before. And a lot of, said, a lot of influence was coming over from the States at that time. Yeah. So you had, um, yeah. Uh, and again, because of Works of Tower and Lawrence, and he'd be bringing all these things in and suggesting we go and see this band's. I remember he suggested going to see Tad um, play, and I was like, I'm not going to go and see some of your whiny American bands, Lawrence. And uh, at the time, the support band with Nirvana. Yeah. So I decided not to go to that. So. That's again, two yeah. catastrophic mistakes. You've just bypassed oh, seeing Nirvana got... and your mullet. <laughs> I've literally got out of a cat. I, can't I can reel them off. Trust me. No, I'm not going to Spike Island because I decided to go and see my girlfriend in Gloucester instead. Or I just, I can just reel them well you've said the word Gloucester a lot so that that leads us lovely uh into track six and that's a favorite song from an artist from your home county please <laughs> yeah not a great deal of talent coming out to be honest um really what you got what's come out what's come out of Gloucester uh the Wurzels well in fact they weren't even well I actually cut their words from Gloucester I think the rest of them were for more down Somerset um, oh, look, I'm speaking. My accent's coming out. <laughs> it's the word Wurzels, isn't it? <laughs> it is the Wurzels. Can't hide this thing. Um, that's That was it. Uh, oh, that, uh, I think there were some 60s sort of bands, maybe, maybe Seekers. Maybe, I'm right. not sure. Come from that. Our neck of the woods. But um, really nothing. There was um, a missed opportunity with a band called Upper Moon's Day. That um, were Apple Mosaic. Uh, yeah, they become. Was, they became EMF. Of course they did. Yeah, yeah. It was yeah. the Indentures thing, wasn't it? Indentures, yeah. Yeah. So, um, who were brilliant, absolutely phenomenal live, but they got signed and and couldn't capture the same energy, the live energy. Yeah. So, in fact, some of their demo tapes are better than anything they sort of professionally recorded, um, especially some of the live tapes, just incredible. Um, so that was kind of a missed opportunity that never really came up. But obviously coming out of that, then Ian joined up with James and uh, and then EMF became the thing. So, um, which is, you know, obviously fantastic. And, and to be honest, I remember, again, seeing them in their formative years and um, thinking that EMF, uh, sorry, Unbelievable was a, a definite potential hit. Yeah. So, out of all, all of the uh, all of the tracks at the time, and and you know, obviously, the rest is history. Yeah, mm. but uh, it's such an exciting. I mean, I, I got to see they come and play my venue on 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 one of the early tours, and yeah. uh, and I mean that they looked 
like a boy band as well. You know, they were all <laughs> so cool, so handsome and like, you know, James was this ultimate pretty boy, wasn't he? And, yeah. and I mean, God, there wasn't a girl on the planet that, 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 that didn't fancy Zach. And, yeah. uh, and, 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 and yeah, what, a, what a band and, and to, to have a number one stateside, you know, and yeah, yeah. And, I mean, it's just absolutely massive. And, and, and I say this a lot, you know, that you, you mentioned that kind of pre grunge thing, mm. And the the music in you know the, the the music papers and and documentaries, when they look back, they always go and then the Stone Roses happened uh, in eighty nine, and then in nineteen ninety one Nirvana happened. I'm like, whoa, 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 hang on. Yeah, there's a big thing it, between. It, it, yeah, there's a lot that happened in between. And uh, that I tell you what, the Stone Roses and Oasis never done. They never had a number one in America. And no. in between, then Jesus Jones did and EMF yeah. did. And yeah. uh, and you know, and they were fusing like all the exciting things that were happening in electronic music, you know, with, to all the things that were happening in guitar music. And it's yeah. such a an exciting time. I, I say that because I hit eighteen at that point, you know. No, and and you know, it was the T shirt band time, you know, and uh and you know, whether it was the cart whether it's Carter, Stuffies, Poppies, EMF, yeah. like it was all of these bands were so colourful, so fun to be to be at their gigs, and just yeah, absolutely. And it used to be like mayhem. Yeah, and they all had great yeah. songs. Yeah, really oh, good yeah, singles, yeah. and like, yeah, yeah. but they just get overlooked. I, I think Miles is yeah. one of the greatest songwriters of his generation. You know, the yeah. Wonder Stuff's hits are ridiculously catchy. Oh, yeah, yeah, just yeah, absolutely. But, but, but they get erased from from all of these documentaries, and 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 you know, yeah. Books Even and, though they went on to, they all had big hits and stuff like that. Yeah, uh, yeah I remember um, listening to Eight Legged Groove Machines, just thinking it was the best. And I think it came out simultaneously as um, at the same time as Guns N' Roses, yeah. Destruction. Um, and then hearing Info Frico for the first time. Oh my god! By Jesus Jones, and uh, I remember playing it to James, going, "Listen to this." Yeah, and it was just incredible. Um, yeah, they, they they were absolutely brilliant times. Yeah, absolutely want to be, and then again, great time to be back in the live scene yeah. and seeing kids. Absolutely, and I, and I just wish it gets. I, I take any opportunity and listen to this podcast. I've heard mm. me bang on about it at every opportunity I get. That 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 time, that that little period of time, where you know you you had bands like Carter and 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 you know the stuff is and that like headlining like. You know, stuff is headlining a football stadium, and like, hmm. and and you know, Carter headlining Glastonbury and things like that. It's like these are huge bands with like you know number one records and number one you know number one albums and stuff, and and they just kind of get forgotten. And, the sidelines, yeah, and and I yeah. think it's a real real shame because it was it's uh, a massive shame because I said the you're right they they were bright, colourful. It was yeah, exuberant, um, but they had absolutely great. They have killer pop songs. Yeah, and you, you you talk about you've started me off now. You you you, you talk <laughs> about like you know them pivotal moments in electronic music. Whether you talk about you know you mentioned Todd Terry earlier, but you know or you talk about you know Strings of Life or or Frankie Knuckles, yeah. and then you know yeah. you, you you know you talk about the Smiths and REM and things like. That. When people are referencing like a How Soon Is Now or a Fool's Gold or a Your Love or or a Strings of Life. Info Frico should be in that conversation because yeah, it fused yeah. it. It, it fused did, yeah, yeah. it, and it it was pioneering in what it was doing. Oh, and, God, yeah. 
and mm-hmm. and it it just never gets it never gets its its kind of just deserves a thing and and I'm yeah. not the biggest Jesus Jones fan. I you know I like some of the early stuff, but yeah. but that track is a fucking yeah. masterpiece. Uh, it is. Uh, yeah, right. Yeah, I'm going to rain it in. <laughs> get carried away. This <laughs> <laughs> dates. I'm just thinking of I'm going to put that on as soon as we get off this call. <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely. Well, look, this is your time to um to to be a a tastemaker now. Mm-hmm. Tell me a song that you think many people uh, may not know that you would like them to hear. <laughs> and again, stupidly, it's one I can't pronounce. Uh, <laughs> well, I thought about it, but it's just it's, it's again heralding back to what we were talking about before, and um, um, and when you're looking at bands that. Um, potentially um, should have been a lot bigger um, than they were um, and including their influence. So I've um, chosen a track by the Monochrome set. Now, the Monochrome set were kind of around in the late 70s, early 80s initially. Um, But their influence is kind of really felt with the Smiths, really uh, felt where um, Franz Ferdinand, etc. were always uh, massive fans. Um, and again, they made these sort of explosive jangly indie hits before it was kind of that trendy to be um, jangly and indie. Uh, so this was from that Pillars and Prayers album, I think I mentioned earlier, which is a compilation, Cherry Red compilation album, and was kind of the standout track. Um, and I, I can't pronounce it because it's in <laughs> German. That's fine. That's fine. But uh, we we will do the little Spotify playlist to accompany the pod, so we'll add it on there, and, I, and I'll, I'll, I'll save your embarrassment. Agreeing, but that's kind of how it reads. Um, but it's, it's it's just just a brilliant, a really good. And again, it for me, it was one of those um, uh, sort of catalyst songs yeah. that started drawing me away from just listening to the new wave of heavy metal into things that were more interesting. Yeah. And obviously came away from my mother. Yeah. So it was all that sort of stages. So but it's more about the fact you to be honest, you can pick any monochrome set song, yeah. um any album. They you know they're all really 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 class acts. Um that again a bit like as you're saying about bands like Jesus Jones etc seem to be completely forgotten. I think they're mentioning you yeah. know some geeky c86 books and stuff like that yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. um, just great band just an absolutely great band they're still gigging they're still touring and stuff like that um but yeah you know it's the sort of band you can go and see at you know a small 200 300 yeah. something you know, instead of the bands that they influenced yeah they were, you know say if the smith you imagine where they would play yeah um, so yeah just that's why I've kind of chosen that again because we chose the million, yeah, for very different reasons, kind of. But well, yeah. we've spoke so much about other people's music. Hmm. What are you up to? So um, I'm currently in a it's a production DJ duo. Um, we're working um, under the, the title of the Legends of the Seven Going Vampires. Um, we had a single out last year um, called Autumn Fall um, that did remarkably well because it was just kind of a thrown out single. It's, it's something I did 
um, all started on because I I was waiting for another project musically to finish. I wanted to do something, so I thought, you know what, I'll just piece something together. Um, now this goes back, it kind of follows me because I used to be heavily involved in the mashup scene of sure. the early 2000s. So what would have been called Bastard Pop yeah. before it became popular. Um, and used to go down to Bastard, which was the sort of seminal club for it. Um, and was kind of heavily involved in that. So I kind of revisited the kind of, it's, I mean, the song's not a mashup. Yeah. It, is, it is an original thing, but you know, thought so I'll, I'll revisit the kind of sampling cut sort of side of it as well. Um, then joined up with a, a friend of mine who's, who's a DJ called Luke um, to try and sort of flesh out the vision. Um, so basically, the, the single was picked up by, um, you know, Six Music, um, Radio X, um, Absolute Radio played it the other week. Um, and did seven million streams on TikTok, so I don't know what that means. Um, billion of a, I mean, it's, a it's no bad thing, I'm sure. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sure it isn't. Um, and, and that's kind of done. It's still doing well and, and stuff. So then we we did a, a, a we just followed it up with the second track, um, which had kind of a more synthesis funk feel. But the whole idea with the 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 band is is to look at all these influences from over the years. So the next song is going to be more of a kind of synth techno-y type, almost like an orbital type right. feel to it, with a potentially with a guest vocalist. Um, and and yeah, so the project is really about looking at our influences. We both have very similar influences um although luke is the biggest slayer fan right um, um so and then just kind of just really songs based on looking at things so so it's kind of unapologetically retro in what we're trying to do yeah we're, we're deliberately looking at sounds and looking at things and, and kind of trying to emulate um stuff from you know from fan favorites when we were kids, yeah. um, but to now, so we're not trying to. Uh, it's not innovative um, in any way. It really is trying to say emulate stuff that we like, and then try and put obviously our own twist to it. Sure. Um, so it's, it's it's good. We we pretty much got an album. It's sort of quite diverse. It's quite eclectic. Um, so it you know features everything. All and Four's got a very northern soul feel and sound to it. Um, the second single close to use is say it's got a real sort of funk. Um, I think the third single will be okay, a bit more 70th synth electro yeah. sort of thing. Um, but they'll follow through, you know, there will be a metal track on it. Of course there will. There will be, <laughs> there will be all these sort of bits and pieces. So yeah, that's kind of coming to fruition. So we're just looking at, um, so the third single should be coming out in the next two months. Um, and then the album hopefully by the end of the year. And we're just now looking at how we're going to tour it and start putting it out. Um, it's probably going to be something to do with Dex and me being all instrumental. Yeah. <laughs> Same time. Because um, that was kind of how it was always been. It's how it's seen. Yeah. It's more of a kind of a DJ production 
yeah. project as opposed to full live bands. Um, and we're just trying to get that cleared and, and bring our eights. So hopefully we should be touring by late summer. We'll gigging, gigging. <laughs> late summer. Not get ahead of ourselves here. Um, so yeah, we should be gigging by the late um, summer. And yeah, just seeing how it all goes. But it's at the moment, it's, it seems to be doing well. So Fantastic. hopefully. Nick, if people want to keep up to speed with um, uh, tour dates and releases, where's the best place to, to start up to speed? Um, again, it, probably the, we've got general, our Instagram site, which would be legends underscore of underscore, there's never underscore golden underscore vampires. Mm-hmm. Um, we're probably the best. Um, we tend to use Instagram on anything now because it's easier to put a picture up and write a a sentence yeah uh, we're doing but um that would probably be the best place okay um, well if it's cool with you we'll, uh, we'll take if it's cool with you we'll tag you in it uh when this episode comes out so people can go and find you if they haven't done oh so absolutely already. yeah please god yes please it'll be absolutely fantastic wonderful no, absolutely fantastic Nick, it's been a real joy talking records with you. <laughs> Thanks to you and you. Honestly, I could. It's a shame it's not down a pub with a few pints. Absolutely, mate. Absolutely. We'll be there for the rest of the evening discussing the, the merits of 1992 and guitars. Like. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's been absolutely brilliant. Absolutely oh, brilliant. thank you very much. I'm going to press stop, Nick. Don't go anywhere. Ah, oh, wonderful. What an absolute ledge. Um, super lovely guy. Um, we carried on nattering afterwards, and uh, we're definitely going to meet up and have a have a pint and uh and yeah carry on banging on about uh underrated bands that uh that don't get the respect that they deserve um yeah oh it was a great chat that um i hope you um you enjoyed it as well it was uh it was lovely just to uh to talk records with uh somebody that's got a you know a very eclectic taste and uh, and it always makes for uh, a fun chat um i'm back next time as mentioned at the beginning uh, during the intro please go and check out the patreon if you can support the podcast i'd really appreciate it it's 70 pence uh, a month and you get a bucket load of stuff for that as well and uh other than that please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts there's 500 episodes available for free um on spotify apple podcasts and wherever you get your pods uh so the 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 the, the minimum bit you can do is uh is subscribe um or give us a, a like love share on the socials or why not nudge your mate and go you heard this podcast called off the beaten track with this elderly guy of a lisp that gets over excited about music it's called off the beaten track you should go and check it out how do i do that you ask well, let me tell you you head over to his website which is off the beat and and all the links are over there. Oh, I think I'll do that. That's what you got to do, right? So just go and uh, yeah, turn someone onto the website, and uh, and yeah, and I'll, I'll love you a long time for that. Right, I'm back next time. Uh, in the meantime, uh, be excellent to each other, and I'll see you soon. Bye bye. <laughs>